Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. I'm joined today by Abby Bully. Abby is the founder and chief executive of Little Bee. And Little Bee is an organisation that works with charitable organisations and responsible businesses to enable them to operate more sustainably. I mean, that sounds enormously important. <laughs> Tell me some more about that. How did that happen? So this kind of started okay, a couple of years back when I was working within the charity sector and recognised that there were lots of things that charities did really, really well in terms of impacting people's lives and the services that they ran. But one of their primary goals was, and goals and challenges was how do we, how do we stay afloat? So fundraising, business development was always kind of this tricky piece in the background that they needed to get right. And it wasn't always possible to fix it, even though they were doing lots of really good stuff. And it felt as though there needed to be a bit more of, I guess, the corporate type processes, you know, in terms of being more financially resilient in the mix with charities. And so I guess the journey started from that end in terms of helping charitable organisations or businesses that were very kind of purposeful to think about how they would do that in a more sustainable and viable way. I started out as a consultant. I worked with national charities, local charities to sort of support them all around their kind of business kind of operations and delivery to, to get them to where they wanted to be financially. But what was kind of constantly in the background of that was a recognition that actually businesses wanted something very similar, but almost in the opposite kind of way. They were thinking about how they could be more impactful, whether it's pressure from consumers or their customer base, etc. So it felt like there was this bit in between where potentially by supporting both sides of the of the line could create something really interesting in the middle from all the learning and from all the, st- all the work that we would do with those clients. Mm, I can see how that might work. So Abby, I'm fascinated by the name of your own company. Tell me about Little Bee. What's that about? It's actually really silly. So when I was very little, I couldn't really say the Statue of Liberty. I used to say the Statue of Little B. And um, and so I think it's stuck in my mind as just a little weird thing. Um, but in a sense, the kind of mission statement under Little B is all about aspiration, about, you know, having a vision and being something that stands out. So I felt that there's just that little play on words in there, but you'd never know that from the name. Yeah. Thank you. I'm wondering... If we start by saying a few more words about sustainability, so it's a sort of buzzwords for the zeitgeist at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. What does it mean to you? Sustainability means being able to maintain a forward motion that is net positive, that in a broadest sense does as little damage as possible, both to you as an individual, but also to everything that you interact with mm. um, out there in the world, whether that's kind of as an individual or as a corporate entity, but just recognising that we all are active in the world in you know in our day-to-day and how can we do that in a more friendly way, I guess. Mm. That's a really interesting nuance of it, the friendliness of it. There's something in there about kindness and compassion and even in business now, we're, we're really starting to use those words, aren't we? I think it's becoming more 
more possible to talk about things in that way. I think there is something very structured and scientific behind the sort of sustainability agenda when you sort of think about how it ties into you know, climate change or financial sustainability, all of the kind of measures and all of the kind of ways in which we capture whether something's working or not working. It can mm-hmm. get quite technical, but I think at its most kind of essential means, there's something in it that's just about continuity and about you know that having a really yeah kind sort of energy to it and I think that's yeah when I think about it from a very personal perspective I guess that's what comes up for me. I'm wondering if there's some interesting correlation between the way that we are starting to think about how we consume and how we how we impact on the world around us that's linked into sustainability from a corporate point of view. I've both led different workshops with kind of stakeholders from the corporate world, from third sector world, where bringing people together to think about sustainability and how it affects them in their working lives, etc. One of the things that kept coming up was that people are people, irrespective mm. of which sector they're in. And there's a lot of passion that people have to do good things. And I think businesses can, in some ways, be unnecessarily kind of pigeonholed into being kind of the enemy when it comes to sustainability because, oh, we're out there. And yes, some of the things that we create as part of our business may do damage to um, the environment in some and such way. But ultimately, businesses started because they addressed a specific problem. So I think what's, what's happening now is that businesses are full of people who have lives, have families, have you know, are part of communities where they recognise and they can see some of the other opportunities that businesses can take to do more. And while we've also got this, you know, in, in the kind of wider world, there's a rising kind of, I think, awarenessness or consciousness of of the issues that we're that we're having to deal with, some, you know, which can be quite uncomfortable. But broadly as that awareness I think increases, I think businesses are finding that actually they can have more space and more opportunities to talk about these things, whereas perhaps previously it was all a bit more behind closed doors and everybody was much more focused on the job in hand, whereas now we're thinking not just about what we've got to do today, but how we're going to be you know, impactful and sustainable and viable tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What impact do you think that sort of freedom of, I guess, sharing information now that we have around um, how we use social media and how quickly, I guess, information about what a particular business or an organisation is doing, it's escalating, isn't it, in terms of how quickly it meets the public eye. And in terms of how that's nuanced then, how it lands, how it's reinterpreted, how it's reshared. I mean, that's different, isn't it? And, and, And that must have an impact. Definitely. I mean, I think broadly within the kind of corporate corporate world in particular, I think the sustainability agenda has been constantly evolving. So we've moved through from things like CSR to corporate citizenship to corporate, you know, we've kind of reinvented all of these names for it. But what has been happening more and more, as you say, is we've got all these different platforms that have been completely leveled. So you, if your business has a profile on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever, you can instantly interact with people. Mm. So the response time is kind of speeding up. And a lot of that for me in terms of thinking about how I think about sustainability, a lot of it comes down to, for me, a very systemic-based approach to understanding how what we do now interacts with the rest of the world. And I think that system of people, businesses, the way in which we connect through communicating through different platforms is becoming much kind of closer and much more, it just interacts 
much more quickly. I think there's almost a buzz now. And because of that, I think that's creating an, another layer of energy, another layer of opportunity to sort of interact and think about things or respond to things or do things differently. Is it forcing businesses and organisations to to take that really seriously? Because it is so pacey, isn't it? It's in the moment. It's right now. Yeah, I think, I think in, in some ways it's helping to perhaps... I mean, it's one of the things, it, it, something can only really be as impactful as it is of the moment. I think where something is kind of instant and disappears, you know, there's almost that slightly more, well, it's a bit disposable, it's gone now, it was an issue yesterday, it's not an issue today, it was an issue in the last half hour, but it's not going to be an issue tonight kind of thing. It's, it's a tricky one, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. So thinking about examples of where you've seen organisations maybe do this really well or start to take some action that has an impact for them, have you got something that you could share with us there? I think where I've seen a lot of good work is things like the B Corp kind of accreditation, which is almost an impact framework where businesses can look at all the different areas of their business, their operations, their governance, their kind of core business drivers, staff, how they interact with the local community and start to benchmark some of that activity against different levels of positive engagement, whether it's a, and they get a score essentially um, that's associated with their engagement in those different areas. And I think any, there are around, I think, 3,000 businesses now that have signed up to B Corp as a, as a kind of sign that they are committed to being more purposeful and having an impact in a different way and being part of that community of businesses that are collectively focused on doing that. So I think you can take any one of those businesses that have signed up to kind of look at themselves in that way and be sort of both part of that movement, but really take that step forward in terms of looking at what can be done internally and how Mm. that, you know, by, by doing so then yeah, change things and, and, and make improvements where perhaps nothing was done in the past. And so what, why would organisations do that then, do you think? What's behind it for them? I think in terms of the, the governance side, the kind of environmental, social governance kind of benchmarks in terms of what's important for um, shareholders is becoming more important. So I wouldn't say it's still the primary driver. I'd, I'd say that in, in to a large extent, profit is still um, one of the kind of biggest drivers for businesses doing most things but I think these other issues and considerations are coming much more clearly into the fore and I think that's again where you've got this sort of weird dance happening between what's happening in our communities what we see happening in the environment all of these drives to you know to be better which are kind of soft campaigns that have an impact somehow on on how businesses look at themselves because they recognize that their shareholders may be and, and are kind of conscious individuals that have their own agenda and they want to kind of keep them on board and maintain that buy-in that they have with those people and for many businesses if a customer is saying, well, look, it's not enough for me that you're still packaging up my product in X, Y, Z number of different plastics that I can't recycle, mm. um, then they do have to take that on board. Patagonia is a great business that is kind of committed to having a really circular approach to all of its products where even at their end of life, they can then send them back and then they reuse them and they're almost kind of literally reusing the same item over and over and over again rather than drawing on the natural resources that they would need to create that product in the in the first place. So mm. I think it's easier perhaps for some businesses than others to maybe get really, really strict and rigorous about how they approach taking on those tasks. But I think businesses are becoming more and are more aware of how they're perceived by their clients, their kind of shareholders and other stakeholders that they have. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about some examples in the last 
a couple of years of really quick changes to manufacturing processes and outputs actually around that space, especially in the plastics areas, you've just said. Uh, yeah. Really big, significant changes, yeah, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, massive. I mean, I think there's been a lot of inward investment and I guess the you know the government has a role to play in terms of how it supports and facilitates that kind of R&D element so that businesses don't kind of carry that whole challenge by themselves mm. um, and are kind of supported to do so. But there's lots happening in the, in the plastics industry in terms of um, renewable sources, the automotive industries. that They, they are trying. I, I, I did read the other day that Dyson unfortunately has given up on his plans for, for creating an electric car, but he was set out to try and do that and you know fair play to him for 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 giving it a go also where do you think businesses again continue to sort of benefit from that i'm thinking specifically actually now from a recruitment point of view i'm wondering about the knock-on impact of really sourcing the best people for your organization your business based on actually your um behavior in this space from some of the experiences that we've had i would say that definitely the I'm at an age now where I think I can think about younger people. I don't consider myself in that camp anymore. But looking (laughs) at what I'm seeing, I think younger people are certainly more conscientious. We've done a lot of work with US business schools that bring over some of their young kind of undergraduates who are involved in kind of looking at business and business ethics. And a lot of them are really intrigued by this sort of purposeful business model. I'll say, you know, equally there are some that aren't convinced or recognise that it might mean, oh, well, I'm not sure that I really want to, you know, be part of a startup where I can't be guaranteed my salary, I'm not going to be making six figures in the first half many years, you know, and those things can also put people off or de-incentivise people. But I think in terms of talent and thinking ahead, we do have this kind of upswell of people coming through the ranks who who think differently. They think uh, more about not just how they want to work, but who they want to work with and what that represents for them. So I think in terms of their in terms of a corporate profile, I think businesses are thinking about that as a as a longer term objective that they want to be attractive to to the talent that's coming through mm. through the ranks right now. And I'm thinking about how actually there's um, more of an appetite now to think about what do I bring and what do I take from a period of employment in a particular organisation? What do I learn from it as an individual and what do I take to that organisation from myself? And knowing that I may only do that for a year or 18 months or even less. And then I might not want to work, actually. I might want to travel or I might want to go back to study and then I might go back to a, a back to work after that this pattern of changing employment is uncomfortable for lots of people to think about isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and I think also I mean one of the things that we're looking to set up at the moment is a bit of an experiment on the B Corps idea but calling it C Corps which is focusing on um, climate change and thinking about how we can move another step up in terms of business activity to achieve uh, a more net positive kind of impact on, on society and what I've noticed is where I'm working with people who for example are from um, the oil industry or working with big companies where they've moved into um, really interesting roles roles in innovation, roles in um, that are kind of driving that part of that new force to drive 
new work and new thinking. They're they're already kind of coming up against these different challenges where they feel like, gosh, you know, I've been working in this company now or in this role for a year and I, I can see that there is some good stuff coming out and that these businesses are committed to um, making a positive change, but it feels like a drop in the ocean compared to perhaps and where they would like things to be. And I kind of, in my kind of interactions and in the conversation that we have around the table, I'm sort of saying, well, look, you're part of a, a process here and these things take time to evolve and just by nature of the fact that you're doing that work and you're committed to being an active leader in terms of delivering what you need to do in the innovation setting that you're in right now that's still worth something and you shouldn't just kind of necessarily give up because it doesn't feel like it's moved so far forward as or as you had expected it to Mm. but I think even that aside people have more complex lives you know there's both I think both male and female leaders and people in all their roles want a slightly different vibe to their life now they may uh, want to sort of have a more flexible approach to help accommodate what they've got to do for families or all those kinds of things or just their different pursuits and people aren't completely sort of monolithic they have so many different interests and things that they want to do and it's that thing of oh when am I going to fit it all in I'm going to have to take some time out and and maybe just yeah focus on myself or this project or whatever it is that they want to do yeah I think it's about 10 years ago we started to talk about maybe a bit longer but about work-life balance but actually we now find ourselves just talking about life it's not about work balancing life and work is it it's about it's it's about what's in our life what's in that ecosystem of the time that we have here what are we going to do with it and what are we going to leave behind us so there's a legacy in there as well isn't there absolutely absolutely and is legacy do you think linked to that sustainability piece I think on a personal level, I would say it is. I mean, I think there are some really, you know, interesting businesses that some that kind of continue to reinvent themselves and have this amazing legacy in terms of just how they've continued to evolve over the years. And there are some businesses that kind of come and go. Um, I think particularly when it gets to the international level with businesses that are, you know, very, very large businesses, then, then their legacy becomes, I think, more important. I can think of people like Paul Polman, who I had a conversation with, couple of years back about where what are you doing to support smaller charities or local communities and he was sort of saying well look you know part of the challenge of being a huge and conglomerate is that you're trying to achieve impact at scale and sometimes looking at it from the perspective of how do I work with people on the ground just becomes a bit to some extent impracticable and I was kind of challenged so well look they still need a space at the table and how are you going to facilitate that and and I think he, he did see some something in that but I think in terms of that corporate legacy, I mean, his work has been, you know, amazing in the leadership that he did when he was CEO at Unilever. But I, I, I do think that businesses can have an impact and can create a legacy that they can be proud of and their staff can really kind of mm. get behind. I think that's why, I think that's also why they do it. Mm. That also comes to the investment in their people, doesn't it, in terms of how they value them, how they empower them to turn up the best version of themselves that they can be and I'm thinking about here investment in particular in the sort of leadership of organisations be they large or small actually that says it's a privilege to have people who put their safety and their well-being and their and their learning into your hands every day when they come to work they choose they choose to give that to you and that's a privilege that you know we need to work on don't we absolutely what I hope is becoming more commonplace as well is is both that businesses are more open to and, and generally kind of committed to investing in people and supporting people to to be more impactful or to be 
better leaders, as it were, but also just encouraging people to think of leadership in those broader terms as well, and that people who, who do get up every day and come and do the best that they can in the job that they do, that, that does mean something. And I think everybody, I think it's easy sometimes for people, wherever they are in the kind of hierarchy of things, to think that leadership is something that's a bit beyond me, or, oh, well, I can't be a leader. And I think actually a lot of businesses now are trying to, I guess, break that way of thinking a little bit and mm. I think it takes the investment to be able to do that but I think the benefits and you know the rewards that certainly can, that can come from that I think mm. certainly you know make that a real important sort of approach to take. Mm. There's a lot of discussion around a sense of entitlement and by which I mean I might come to work and say I deserve to be invested in and you need to invest in me. Mm. How do you see that show up with some of the organisations that you might have worked with? Yeah that's a tricky one I think I think that I think there are different camps. I think there are people who are really committed about what they want to do and are really sort of end oriented about it. So they they, they recognise that this is what I want to do. This is where I see my role and what I've been brought here to do. And let me try and crack on in terms of getting that done and working with people to to achieve that aim. And I think there are other people that perhaps have a viewpoint of well, actually, no, you take up all of my time and what am I getting back? And I think there is this theme around whether a lot of young people don't recognise um, that look, you know, you've got a job, that's something to start, it's a starting place for a bigger journey and mm. to try and think of it in that way but I think, you know, to some extent they're, they're sort of opposing forces in a way that hopefully when it all kind of comes together people then sort of I like to think they get on side, but maybe I'm just a complete over-optimist and I always think everything just, you know, evens out and everybody's happy. But I think it, it can create certain tensions where people don't feel appreciated or don't feel that the investment in them is perhaps what, what they would like. But I think the reality is that depending where where they're at and some of the different um, businesses that they work within, there's just not always that mm. that sort of, those opportunities available to them for whatever for whatever reason. So I have this thing where I think about horrible generalizations around different generations and the way that and the way that we behave. Yeah. And I think I read about some of the things that are potentially labelled as millennial demands and those kind of things. And I think mm. actually I wanted all of those things. Yeah. I just wasn't brave enough to, <laughs> to say, say it. it. Um, <laughs> I wanted flexibility and I wanted fair reward and I wanted to be invested in and I wanted interesting work and I wanted to be challenged and I wanted all of those things and I rarely ever probably said them out loud so I wonder if the freedom of being able to actually ask for what you want now is the difference rather than what we actually wanted that's a good point actually I think yeah I think there's definitely something about you know it's out there and I think certainly when you think about the way social media works if if it's not out there then your social page is pretty much dead um so yeah I can I can I can definitely see that I could definitely subscribe to that so Thinking about the work that you're doing with some of the um, charities that you're involved with and how you use your own background and experience to advise them, when when you look at that agenda of sustainability and you're giving them some key things that they need to consider, what what is that? What's your key advice for them? I think one of the things that has been quite essential is trying to have a sort of end-to-end focus to the strategy that we might bring to the table so I think often things can be quite responsive in terms of we've got this problem we just want it gone whereas and it's partly due to this as I was saying before this sort of systemic approach to things is that we're trying to unpick what 
what's really happening in this particular organisation. So if it's a if it's a particular service that needs to evolve or that isn't performing, then we would kind of come in and talk, to look at that and sort of analyse it and then feedback and ask some quite some tough questions about what's actually going on here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be about a the, the model itself. Sometimes it could be more around how that particular service has evolved in terms of its business model or fundraising model or whatever and how it's been resourced and oftentimes it just be that actually at, at, at another level there's a block there that it's disconnected from actually disconnected from their kind of longer term strategy their business their kind of business plan so it's trying to help them unpick what those blockages are mm. and then find a way forward that is going to facilitate the change that they really want to achieve. I'm guessing that having a different lens on that problem is really useful for them because we get we get involved, don't we? We're too involved in the day to day. Yeah, yeah. And that's I guess that's also why businesses choose to bring in consultants is to kind of get that bit of a fresh wind and, you know, allow certain things to be put on the table, those difficult conversations to be had that with a for, with a facilitator, with a kind of third party that can to a large extent operate from a neutral position but can still do the job in terms of helping to move things forward towards the result that they kind of want mm. to see. So I guess just in summary, just thinking about where this particular part of your consultancy work grows and and iterates what does that look like for you what's your what's your own sustainability plan (laughs) that's a good question so at the moment we've been working with the iod we've been doing some work with the young enterprise alliance which has been doing some interesting stuff with the the g20 so i think for us it's about looking further afield thinking about how we take what we're currently doing and collaborating with other entities in that space to achieve more I think at the heart of what Littleby was always about it was about trying to take the the smallest step to achieve the biggest impact but we also recognise that because of you know, in terms of our being part of the sustainability agenda, we want to create that critical mass for change and we need to be moving in bigger circles or within, in, and making different kind of creative alliances that enable us to achieve our goals, again, at a kind of bigger, bigger level. Thank you for sharing all of that with me oh, today. No, you're welcome. I hope it was helpful, interesting, <laughs> a bit crazy. But all of those cut. things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell. Thank you.